Thank you for joining us on this special episode of the Discover Economics podcast, How Did I Get Here? This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Bank of England, and we're really excited to be working with Bank of England and their two authors of their new book, Can't We Just Print More Money? So in this episode, I'll be speaking to Rupal Patel and Jack Meaning. Discover Economics is a campaign led by the Royal Economics Society, and we're really glad that you could join us today, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. I'm Sam McLaughlin from Discover Economics, and today I'm delighted to be joined by the two authors of Can't We Just Print More Money? Jack Meaning and Rupal Patel from the Bank of England. Uh, really exciting discussion today uh, on so many levels. But the Bank of England was established in 1694 and we're now in 2022. And this is the first time they've ever, ever published a book. So I'm going to turn to Jack right away now and go, well, why now? After hundreds and hundreds of years, why now? What was the rationale for this book? Well, it's it's taken us a while, Sam, right? Um, nothing like uh, being late to the party. But I mean, we finally got there. And I, I think it probably is about as important a time as it could be. So the bank used to have um, a motto among some senior staff, which was uh, never apologise, never explain. And that was a really bad way to do policy because it just meant that the people that were engaged in the conversation around what the Bank of England did were a really small group of people, almost all men sat in a small dark room in London. And what we see all around us everywhere at the moment is that economics affects us all, it's around us all, and it drives all of our lives. And therefore, what we've realised at the bank is that just everyone should be able to engage in that conversation. And it's part of us, like our duty, to get out there and try and help people engage. It's not, it's not just on them to come to us, we've got to do our part of the, the kind of the deal and reach out to them. And so, you know, it took us 300 odd years. We finally got to that place and we're starting to do a whole load more of this stuff. That's super. And music to my ears because, you know, at Discover Economics, we're trying to change those perceptions like you are at the Bank of England of what young people consider uh, an economist to look like or what economics as a subject is. Uh, and I know you did a, a bit of research uh, when you were going out and about to citizens panels and forums um what kind of things were you finding when you asked people to maybe maybe simply draw what an economist looks like so i mean sam like discover economics is one of the kind of the partners that the bank kind of engages with a lot right and um there are other people that we kind of do those kind of bits of work with and one was a um, a charity called economy and they basically asked a load of people at a festival to draw an economist almost exclusively they were white men they were all really nerdy looking. For some reason, they almost all had briefcases and they all had kind of dollar signs or pound signs around their heads or in their eyes. So that's what people think of. They think of like finance, kind of Oxbridge educated, stuffy men. And you and I both know because we talk to a lot of economists, but that is just not kind of the reality for a lot. We're trying to do our part, like Discovery Economics are doing yours to show that actually people from all backgrounds are a really important part of that conversation. And, you know, people are probably economists without even realising it. Exactly. And I think that's such a key point. You know, lots of young people might be listening and think, well, in my sixth form, I can't do A-level economics, though. So, you know, it, how is economics around me? 
How could you explain that to them, Jack? That actually, regardless whether they've got access to it in the sixth form or not, every day, even on their bus journey to school and what they get for lunch, how, how it's all economics. How is economics everywhere without people maybe even knowing? Well, so I think people think economics is equations and it's graphs and it's all of that, but it's not, right? Economics is the business of our everyday lives. It's how we choose whether we're going to spend some money or save some money, how we choose what we're going to spend our money on, whether we choose to buy some trainers or a new jumper, whether we take the bus or we hitch a lift in someone's car or we walk. Right? All of these things are economic decisions that we're taking. And so, you know, I'll give you a really concrete example, right, is um, imagine, you know, like if you go to the cinema and you see those big pick and mix things, right? where you have all the different sweets, right? So you go there and you turn up with, I don't know, a couple of quid and you've got some money to spend and then you need to work out, all right, am I gonna get all jelly beans or am I gonna get some jelly beans and some chocolate buttons? Am I just gonna go for one of those really long laces and just spend all my money on that? And so what you're doing there is going, right, I've got some money. Well, economists call that a budget constraint, right? Now we call it a budget constraint, it just means you've got some money to spend. And then you go, well, I kind of like those ones more or those ones more. Well, then what you're doing is working out your preferences. And then you're kind of allocating your money, the resources, as economists will call them, amongst different options. And what you come to is a really important decision. You end up what we would say maximizing your utility. But that basically all means you're getting as much for your like, two pounds that you're spending in the cinema as you can. And, and so that's an economic decision. And when we go out and talk to people, they kind of go, well, I don't, I don't know any economics. You know, what you do at weekend? Well, went to the cinema and I spent some money buying sweets. You're an economist. There you go. You've just told me that you do exactly that. That's it. So, you know, listeners, you are all economists. We are all making hundreds, if not thousands of decisions each day. And each one of those, like Jack mentions there, is economics. Now, this book is amazing and it's going to get sent to every UK state school and there's going to be a brilliant resource alongside it. So how, how does that make you feel that, you know, your words are going to be in every school? And you're going to have that legacy. Um, how does that make you feel, Rupal? And, and what do you hope to achieve by that book being present in every school? Yeah, so I'm really excited uh, about the, the books being sent to all these schools um, and particularly the impact that hopefully it might have. Uh, you know, Jack and I have always said economics is far too important to be understood and practiced by a narrow proportion of society. And I know both of us at the Bank of England and you at Discovery Economics understand that. Um, and so we just really want this book to kind of help people engage and access economics no matter their background. And by making economics more accessible, especially to young people, we hope it will inspire a whole new generation of economists. And maybe even one day, some of them will work beside me and Jack at the Bank of England. Now, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? What a great story that would be that, you know, a young person picked up the book from their library and then decade later, maybe they sat alongside you. That would be brilliant. And I really like the way the Bank of England uh, are tackling this because we know that not every young person has access to economics. So the resources aren't necessarily for the economics classroom, they're for the English classroom, aren't they? So, um, so yeah, so what, what, why that approach and how do you think that will help? 
Yeah, so it seems a bit odd. And to be honest, when I first heard that, and, uh, I thought it was very odd, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, economics touches upon many disciplines um, and relating back to what we've talked about earlier, that economics is everywhere. It pops up everywhere and even in English GCSE texts. So, for example, in kind of classic books that you might read, like Hard Times by Charles Dickens, which uh, you can see kind of the economic background which the characters are kind of operating in in that book um so that's quite a good link um there but also as you said not every school uh, or young person has access to economics and so by choosing to link the book to the english curriculum we know that it will be taught in kind of every school um and that's quite amazing um so, for example, I think this year across England, Wales and Northern Ireland, nearly 800,000 students asked English GCSE, but only around 7,000 uh, who did GCSE economics. So this is by far the best way to make it widely accessible. Yes, I love it. A brilliant tactic to get it to the masses. And like we say, you know, economics is in English, it's in geography, business, maths. It's hidden in so many subjects that you just didn't realise it. The book that you've written kind of focuses on 10 simple questions. So it really is a kind of a, a nice, easy, gentle introduction into economics. And some of those questions are as simple as, you know, where does my breakfast come from? Or why aren't Freddo's 10p anymore? So probably listeners are thinking, is it all about food? Well, I, I don't know, Jack, is it all about food? Was that your influence? <laughs> I mean, I have to say I'm really influenced by my stomach. So yeah, yeah, like there is, when we read back, RuPaul and I were like, hang on a minute, we seem to have drifted into breakfast and then there's a story about chips in the Bank of England canteen. So you might just think we're obsessed, but um, it's just a really useful way, right? We've all got to eat. So it's a really useful way to just bring home that these things are right in front of your eyes. Now, you know, for our young people, they can pick up their phone, listen to the radio or the news. And there's lots of economic stories that are dominating the front pages and TV coverage. Now, you know, people see this, but they maybe don't fully understand what it all means. How, how do you think if they read the book, it will help them understand what's happening in the world around them? Um, so Jack and I have written the book to cover kind of the simple building blocks of economics. So the kind of basic concepts you need to understand some of the things that are happening around you or that you might hear in the news. Really simple concepts like supply and demand uh, will help people understand quite a lot of things that they're seeing. Uh, we even cover kind of a bit more complex topics like inflation and quantitative easing, which you might also see in the news. Um, and this will help you understand things like the cost of living crisis or why kind of a war in Ukraine means that you might not be able to afford a big holiday at the moment. Um, so hopefully by teaching people the really simple things, they can use it to understand kind of the more complex things that are happening right now. What was it like being an author? Because, you know, it, it, have you had any kind of training or experience in this or were you just thrown into the deep end? Uh, it's a little bit of the deep end, uh, maybe with some armbands on. Um, <laughs> but no, no, it was um, it was a completely new experience, I guess. Like, Rupa and I, we spend a lot of our time writing either academic papers, which are often quite dry um, and technical, or we're writing for kind of policymakers where they need to kind of get information really quickly so they can kind of make in-depth decisions. And this was something completely different, right? We, we wanted to communicate to a, a wider public. So I think, you know, it was a really good challenge and to stretch ourselves to try and do that. We've both done lots of outreach. We go to schools regularly, we talk to businesses, 
um, and kind of community forums. But this putting it down on paper was something different. I think the real challenge was almost like a translation exercise. So, you know, what we had to do is be that connection between the language that economists talk to other economists and then the language that everybody else in the world speaks. And often economists forget that there's a difference. And so we were kind of translating that, right? We took out all the equations, we took out all the charts. Um, actually, I tell a lie, there was one equation in there, um, but it's a really short one. So um, like shorter than a wordle, so that's all good. Um, but definitely no charts and graphs. Um, but there are kind of, you know, things that people can relate to, like where their breakfast comes from or why all of their t-shirts, when they look at the labels, why do they all say somewhere that's not the UK? You know, so doing that translation was important. Uh, so, as as you said, it's uh, not possible our day jobs, but uh, it was quite an interesting and exciting thing to do, uh, especially in the backdrop of what was happening at the time. So, Jack and I wrote it during the COVID pandemic, and it made it really obvious to us that economics is something that happens outside of institutions like the Bank of England. It's relevant to everyone's lives. Um, and we also found that there was a lot of misconceptions, a lot of misreporting about sort of misunderstanding. And so that's kind of where it came about. Um, and we really hope that it will help people kind of understand what's going on around them. That's it. It's a kind of a great insider view. And and, and I say insider view, like your offices are unbelievable. And if young people that are listening or teachers haven't been to the Bank of England before, you know, you can go along to the museum, a perfect school trip or perfect activity for the holidays. So when you're not busy eating Freddo's or writing a book, what do you actually do, Rupert, when you're in the Bank of England? What's your role? What's your job title? And what's what's a normal day look like? Or is there such a thing as a normal day? So there's no such thing as normal day uh, here at the Bank of England, although I'm sure at many kind of um, many workplaces as well. So currently I'm a private secretary to one of the deputy governors here, uh, which is similar to what would be called chief of staff in some other places. Um, and it's basically advising some of the governors on their policy decisions and working with other colleagues around the Bank of England to ensure they have the right information to make those policy decisions. So you're really at the heart of, you know, big decisions that have an impact on, on the whole UK and, and wider. So is that pretty exciting? Is that pretty scary? How does that make you feel? Uh, it's very exciting and very interesting, especially given all the changes uh, that have happened to the economy in the last few years. You know, Brexit, COVID, the Ukrainian war, um, although I have to say at some point it's quite scary. I definitely recommend you're right. Anyone that's kind of up and around London, come in and have a look, look at the museum, like come and kind of look around the bank. It's, it's an impressive place to be. Um, in terms of what I do there, um, so I my job title is I am the uh, advisor to the bank's chief economist. So um, the chief economist is essentially responsible for kind of overseeing all of the economic analysis we have um, on our monetary policy objectives. So that is, you know, our role in setting interest rates and trying to keep inflation in check. Um, and he is one of the, the bank's monetary policy committee members. So he gets a vote when they're, they're making a, a kind of a judgment on what to do with interest rates. My job is really to support him, advise him, make sure he has all the information he needs to make those decisions. Um, and I also kind of do things like help him write speeches, um, kind of help coordinate if he needs to meet people at different times and 
all of his various engagements and things. So, yeah, like my, my role is kind of to be a right hand man to, to the chief economist. What I would say is like me, like pretty much all of my colleagues at the bank, I think probably what motivates us all more than anything is that we want to make a difference. Right. We you don't go into a, a public policy role working for a big institution like the bank because you want to make a fortune or you know because you want to sit in a dark room and not do it like you go there because you want to try and change the world right without sounding too grand about it like that that is why almost all of us are there and that's what gets us out of bed in the morning to go um so yeah it's it's pretty cool that for a day job you can think you're having some influence even if it is one part of a much larger machine um it is really it, it kind of makes it all worthwhile so i'm really interested jack right how did you get there then? Because earlier you were mentioning, you know, your role as an author, you're kind of translating some of these economic concepts and jargon so the masses can understand. But actually translating was maybe something you were kind of interested in because wasn't it Spanish and foreign languages that was your first kind of favoured subject? And how did it become economics? Yeah, so when I when I was at school, I um, I kind of studied economics, French and Spanish. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go off to university. I'll keep the economics on the side because that might give me a, an option to kind of, you know, pay my way as I travel around the world and, you know, kind of see all these sunny beaches and, and kind of um, meet people from all around the world. So that had always been the plan, right, as I was going to go and kind of travel and translate and do all of those kind of things. And then when I got to university, I know something just gripped me. I just started to see that a lot of the things that kind of were important to me and the questions I've been asking with, actually economics, when it was presented in the right way, it was the answer to a lot of those things. And once you realise it can answer a few questions, you get more questions and then you get even more. Um, so I kind of stuck with the languages for the rest of my undergraduate. I went and studied in Spain um, for a year or so. Um, and I think that was really useful to kind of get a different perspective on kind of how you how you kind of see these things through a filter, through a lens and how that can change your view on things. And then when I came back, I, I mean, I was kind of all in at that point. I was right, OK, this, this is the life for me. I, I want to do it. And so I just kind of got deeper and deeper into the economics. And here I am X years later um, still doing it. Amazing, amazing journey. So, Rupal. If you think back to maybe GCSE age, what was it like getting from there to where you are now? Yeah, so I started studying economics um, at A-level, actually, and I chose to study it at A-level um, because it was during the financial crisis and I had no idea what was happening. So all over the news, you kind of saw, you know, images of bankers packing up. Uh, their desks and walking out with cardboard boxes um, and you know people I knew lost their jobs and I didn't really understand what was happening or how to make sense of it and economics really helped me to kind of piece together what's happening um, and so I enjoyed it so much I studied at a university um, and then after university I applied to the Bank of England um, because it was an interesting time it was the aftermath of the financial crisis I really wanted to get involved in trying to figure out how kind of the economy would kind of evolve and how you could help kind of get out of the financial crisis and move on. That's it. So when there's crisis, there's always an opportunity and there's definitely an opportunity to, to inspire the next generation. Um, now, 
what, what would you say if you had to pick one aspect of your work group or what what was the piece that you maybe enjoyed the most that you may be kind of when you go back home or maybe one time when you, you've left the Bank of England and you've retired and you've you've written your fifth and sixth book and you look back what, what's your favorite aspect of your work that you'll look back on I think uh the people uh in some sense so the Bank of England is full of great economists um, and very friendly um, people who are really interested in what they do and find, I feel uh, a strong kind of mission to uh, to really um, help sort out what's happening at the moment. Um, and that's quite uh, a lovely environment to work in. And, you know, I suppose we've got lots of young people that are maybe at that decision age thinking, well, what shall I do next? And now they've got this book in their school library, they've read it and they're thinking, well, I'd like to be the next Rufal, the next Jack. What what advice would you be giving them? You know, what what should they do next if they are at that A-level age and they're, they're thinking about university or maybe even, you know, apprenticeship routes? Yeah, I mean, I think the route itself is is kind of an open thing, right? I think you can come to this place through a whole load of different routes. And like, I mean, your podcast is a great example, right? You kind of listen to the people on there and no two stories are the same. Right? Everyone's got their own path. So for me, I would say like the big bit of advice is just follow the questions, follow your interest, um, because there will come a point, whichever route you take, where it will get tough, I'm sure, right? There's, there's no easy route to get into anywhere. But when it does, if you still got that curiosity, you still got those questions, you still kind of want to work on things, then, you know, that will kind of sustain you through. So I think if I were talking back to myself, kind of back at, at that stage, I would say, right, okay, Follow those questions, like see where they lead you, and don't be too hung up about what the end goal is, right? Like the questions will get you to somewhere that you will have enjoyed the journey getting to. So I think it's always good for people to ask questions um, and ask kind of things that are relevant to them, not just kind of maybe what's in the news, because maybe some of it isn't as relevant, um, and find out the answers to those. Um, and that will really show a really strong interest in the subject. Um, and as you said, there's loads of resources out there. So when I was at school, I think economics was really something just ha that happened in textbooks. But since the financial crisis, there was a whole renewed interest in it. And there's a whole new renewed interest in economics again. And there's so many things available, some great podcasts, some great books. Um, there's loads of stuff on YouTube and the Internet you can find out um, as well. Yes, so don't, don't just think it all ends when you leave school at the end of the day. There's so much more you can be doing. And uh, in, in the book, you know, you, you both kind of highlight that economists aren't perfect. They sometimes get things wrong, don't they? And, and actually, that's OK to get things wrong. So if you're a young person listening to this and thinking, what should I do next? Getting things wrong isn't a bad thing. We learn from that. And then that informs your next decision along the way. All of this is giving a great opportunity to young people. But why do you think young people after reading this book should maybe follow your path and actually choose to study the subjects? You know, why should a young person go to university and do economics? As we were talking about before, it touches on so many other subjects. And I think it's, you know, obviously I'm very biased about this, but it's really hard to find a subject which encompasses so many other things and you can relate back to in your real life. 
I think the other thing is it really helps you navigate through loads of things that are happening in the economy um, and it will continue to do so. So it's really good grounding in loads of things. And of course, by studying it at university or even at school, you don't have to become an economist. So a lot of people I study economics with aren't economists at the moment, but it's really good grounding on moving on to other things as well. Definitely, it really does give you a, a good kind of foundation skill set that's transferable to so many different sectors. Um, but what next for you and uh, Jack Rupo? You know, what what are your plans? I just said economics is sort of um, ever evolving. Well, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, Sam. There's quite a lot going on in the uh, the world and the economy at the moment. So, um, at least for me, like the kind of the near term is focused on how the bank is responding to cost of living and what options we can kind of have with the, the kind of the complicated situation we've got at the moment. So, and I'm hoping that this is the start or the kind of the next step in the bank's outreach and engagement. So whether it's me, whether it's RuPaul, whoever it may be, we will start to do a few more things where we come out of the walls of the city of London and we start to kind of get a bit more out into to other people's lives. That's really exciting. So I'm sure there's lots of teachers up and down the uh, the UK thinking, yes, I want Jack and RuPaul in our school. Uh, you know, there's amazing content on the Bank of England website. Get on there, check it out. Have a look at the resources. Have a look on the Discover Economics website again for resources that can help you in the lessons and at home if you want to do that extra bit of learning. But otherwise, massive thanks to Jack and RuPaul and a huge thanks to the Bank of England, who we absolutely love working with. Uh, and it's been a pleasure chatting to you both today. So thank you very much and make sure you read the book. Take care, everyone. And that's it for our special episode in partnership with the Bank of England. Their book, Can't We Just Print More Money? is currently being sent to every state school in the UK, alongside six resources linked to GCSE English. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. For now though, please do visit our website, discovereconomics.co.uk for more resources, advice and guidance. Follow us on social media. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and listen to our other episodes of How Did I Get Here. Thank you again for listening.